Blog Talk Radio. The following program is brought to you by Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. Hi, I'm Michael McKibben. Hi, I'm Annette Wagner. Hi, I'm John Carousella, and this is A Shamanic Life. Welcome, everyone, to A Shamanic Life. I'm John Carousella. Tonight, we have a special program. We're broadcasting live from our roaming studio, and we're going to be doing some spontaneous readings as we explore a brand-new oracle deck in conjunction with a friend of the show, Annette Wagner. But before we do that, we're honored to have special guest Michael McKibben on the show. I just met Michael today, and I'm excited to share more about him and his work. Michael is a massage therapist and practitioner and a teacher, practitioner and teacher of body talk therapy, which I want to talk about a little bit and get to know a little bit more because Annette's told me a lot about it, uh, but I, I want to know more. But what's extra interesting about Michael and his work is where the body talk therapy has led him. Michael now facilitates workshops called body talk workshops and equine experience workshops that engage us at a deep conscious energetic level, opening up the portal of possibilities. And, of course, who doesn't want to know about that? So, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. So, um, so where, do you, where do you come from? What's, what's your, um, how did you get into massage therapy and body talk? Where, how, did they, how did you get here? Wow, that's a great question. I've had a pretty interesting path, pretty interesting life. And um, I guess what I could say is that all the things that I tried – I didn't fit in, and what happened? What are some of the things that you tried? <laughs> I tried sales. I tried a lot of construction. I've done uh, restaurant work, restaurant management, and uh, actually gone to some different trade schools to try and be a responsible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> and those things didn't seem to fit for me. It wasn't in my, my drive or my path. Mm-hmm. And um, short story is that... Uh, I was training for marathons one time and I got a body work session from a woman and we both had this emotional connection response to my session she did and I did. And she wrote me a letter to uh, go to massage therapy college in Colorado back in the 90s and, oh, wow. and recommend that I should do this work. And she was really adamant about it. So I took her advice. It was the universe telling me I should go do something else. Right, right. That. So, that, yeah. so, you, so you trained as a massage therapist? Yes. And and how long did you do that before you started doing body talk? Oh, gosh, let's see. 94, it was probably about 10 years. 10, okay. Yeah, 10 years. So you had a fair amount of massage therapy under your belt. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so then what happened? What's, the, what's body talk? What makes body talk special? Body talk, the thing that makes body talk special is I believe it's one of the most powerful grounded energy medicine, conscious energy medicine techniques available. And you say grounded because? It deals with the person where they're at right there. Mm-hmm. And on any level, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and it ties it all up. And I think the thing that makes it special is it's, I am a neutral reader of information. And it's the person's healing that's happening. Right. So it's the body. So 
so what like does the how does the body talk? I set up a communication with it. It's binary. It's a yes and no. Uh, okay, so it's like muscle testing. Yes, muscle checking. We muscle call checking. it. All right. And what what is what has that? Um, how did that change your approach to to the body? What did you learn through body talk? What did you learn about the body that you didn't know as a massage therapist? I learned to listen at a uh, much broader level of the possibilities. And I also understood that the body isn't this linear thing that just does A, B, C, D that we read in a textbook. Mm-hmm. It has a very eclectic way of filling up this potential all the time. So how it wants to work it out, I don't know, but I know how to ask it. You know how to ask it. Ask it. Yeah. So, and, so, and you've been body, doing body talk therapy since 2000, early 2002. So another 10 years yeah. worth of body talk. Yeah, yes. Um, and how did you find your way to working with horses? Uh, well, in the body talk system, they have a class specifically for working with animals. As clients? Um, actually, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you work with animals. So if somebody has a has a, a problematic condition with one of their animals, they can go to a body talk therapist and have the body talk therapist do whatever it is that they do to see if they can facilitate some kind of healing for the We're, yeah with the animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they and and we do incorporate the the owner. It's only ethical. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so through that, I um, was intrigued and went on many adventures. Uh, some I can speak to, but uh, ended up taking a workshop um, with a equine coaching thing that, that drew me. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the barn. It was a weekend workshop in Colorado up in the mountains near Aspen. And I smelt the hay. I smelt the manure. And I had come like full circle because my father, I uh, taught animal husbandry at the college level here in central California. Uh, so, so you did you grow up in Central California? No, I was born in California, Southern California. Uh, yeah. and, and did you spend a bunch of your time in Colorado, or did you? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Is that where you are now? Uh, no, I'm in Montana. Oh, you're in Montana. <laughs> okay. I keep moving. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So, so, uh, so you're you're at this workshop, this mm-hmm. equine facilitation workshop mm-hmm. or whatever, um, and you smell the barn, and it brought me back to my younger years when I would uh, raise the animals with my father and his students. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I'd come this full circle place. That was my feeling. And full circle, but, but through all of the experiences of your life, you've had now this intimate awareness of the nature of the body and of Mm -hmm. of energy medicine. Mm -hmm. And now you're plopped into the barn. Right. And it was, uh, I just had this feeling that this is where I belong to. I, I needed to be there. Mm. That's as simple as I can explain it. And it was a feeling in my heart, not something in my head. It was a feeling in your heart. And, and what was that feeling? It's a knowing. Was it love? I, yes. Yes, it was. Mm. I didn't, probably didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, how long ago was that? That was in uh, 2008. 2008. Mm-hmm. And so you've been working with, um, with the animals. Mm-hmm. And how, so, so what was that work? I mean, that, that was a trigger experience for you. Was the workshop itself 
a trigger experience, or was it just being in the barn that was a trigger no, experience? No, it, it kept expounding after that and became more magical as the weekend went on and uh, challenging and everything about it, emotional, uh, embodied, and, and I really knew that I had to explore this more, uh, whatever this was. And uh, my experience with the horse that I had was incredible. It was almost, it was a journey like no other. I, I'd met a friend that I hadn't seen in ages. All right, so you got to tell us about that. It was like, well, okay. Um, I, uh, how they had it set up is you, you pick a horse to work with for the weekend. And some people would say the horse picks you. Right. So that's, that's a dynamic that I'm open to. And um, I happened to pick this retired thoroughbred that was taken off the racetrack and was lame and was on this beautiful 100-acre ranch looking over the Aspen Mountains, which wasn't a bad life for him. Right. And um, the whole setup, without going into too much details, I go into a pen with this, and, I, and I'm checking into myself to see how I feel and, and what do I want to experience with this sentient being for my sacred time with it right now. So I do that, and he comes over to me and goes, Hey, look around you. And he just, and he just, he was like my, he walked with me. Wherever I went, he was hooked up with me. And I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to have a halter. I didn't have to have a, he was just there connected with me at a heart level. And then everything just starts to kind of feel right about that. Mm. <laughs> it was beautiful. So no, expectations, no obligations, just communion. Be present and come from a heart's desire. And so did you, like, an obvious and yet not so obvious question is, had you never experienced that before? I had, but I didn't know how to put it in a context. Uh Uh-huh. And, and I'd experienced it in nature. In nature. Yes, because nature had always been my refuge from my life. So, so in, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, diving in here a little bit because <laughs> there's something special about, for, to me and for me, about being in nature, mm-hmm. um, where I feel that kind of un, uninhibited. Uh, uh, unpolluted communion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't had it with, with, a, I've, mostly with, I've had it with plants, mm. right? You know, with plants in the water and the, and, you know, the spirits of the stones, the, 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 the forest, so to speak, or, or the ocean. Yeah. What was it like to be in that space with something that, with a horse? It's sacred. Number one, that's the first term that comes to me. Um, there is a, a resonance factor. I think, I feel that uh, it's different for everyone because having a horse uh, come and wrap itself around you to actually hold you with its neck. Oh, yeah. That's a beautiful experience for people. Mm. And then also, on the other hand, a horse could totally avoid you, and that could be 
a dynamic experience for you too. So it's an interesting thing to be, to set up the parameters for that sacred experience to the possibility of it happening for someone. And, and that's what I do. And so, and that's, so that's what the workshops are like. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's explore a little bit about the, um, about, about the workshop as a, as a healing protocol. Mm-hmm. Like, or, or like what, what, are, what do people get out of? Why would they come? Like who comes, who, who is a good candidate for a workshop like this with horses? And what do they receive as a, as a um, gift? I, I would say the, the great question is a couple parts there. Mm, the first it. part is I feel anyone that's, that maybe doesn't fit in or, or their life has come to a, a, a point where they know they want to do something different, but they don't know what to do. That's mm. one thing. Uh-huh. Challenges in their life. Any physical ailments, if they want another perspective, on what's happening with them physically. Really? Yeah, emotionally, mentally. Yeah, I can give you examples, but that's those anything where they might even just feel stuck. So so stuckness is a, is an indicator that this kind of workshop could be good for you. Yeah, it's simply stuck energy. Yeah. And is it is it So how does this relate to body? Does it relate to body talk? The concepts are very similar. I I, I I'm actually an advanced practitioner and I also instruct that but the concepts are so similar, similar on many different levels, and we can go many different places. It simply depends on um, wh- who the horses are, what the environment is, and who are the people that show up that detic- depict how the workshop's going to flow. So, so tell us, a, tell us a story about a typical workshop. If there about, about a workshop, okay, there may, there may not be a typical one. No, no, there's <laughs> never a typical one. Um, Sure. I, I did a workshop uh, in Colorado uh, not too long ago, and it was actually um, on a private ranch. And these horses have like 9,000 acres. Oh, nice. And there are 50 horses, and they're part of this uh, community so that people can have access to them. And one of the property owners invited me to come out. And we had a little one-day thing that I was going to do an introductory thing, <laughs> introductory, <laughs> quote-unquote. And we did a few of the things where actually we had people go into their bodies. And first, they, they okay, let me start over. Pardon me. First, they'll go up and just see how they feel when they uh, see horses in close proximity. They don't even need to be in with them. Hmm. And then we come back and I have them go into their bodies and then go back and do it again and see what the horse's response is once they become in their bodies. So in their bodies, what, what, is, what, do you, what do you mean by that? How do you instruct people to get into their bodies? I would say it, there's several different ways to do it. I, I think uh, what, what I do is a simple body uh, check-in, and I have people close their eyes and just take, take a imagery through their body. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a challenge for some people because our enculturization, you know, everything below the neck is dirty, um, I mean, that was our Puritan idea. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it can be a challenge right off the bat, but uh, horses like to see you in your body. And what's a, what's a typical shift in, in the horse's response to somebody for they're out of their body or not fully in their body and then they're more in their body? They'll turn around and go, oh, I see you. Where have you been? Really? They'll pay attention to you now because you're not, um, in your head, off somewhere. Why do the, why do horses want you to be in your body? 
Well, oh man, you've asked great questions. <laughs> because number one, th- when when we get together with horses, you become part of the herd, and their main consciousness is the safety of the herd. Oh, okay. So, so if you're not in your body, they have a relationship with you that is you're not may, part of the herd. They may not hook up with you. You may be a threat. Right. Right, and when you're in your body, they they can see you more completely, and if you so so do they sometimes reject you as not like we don't want you part of our you're in your body, but we don't no. want you in our herd. No, not really. They'll just be behavior things that we can look at as information. Ah, it's not so, about a judgment. Okay, so yeah. so this is interesting. So so it's when when you're okay. So so really, this the magic starts when the human gets into their his or her body. Sure. And, and in, engages with the horse. And then the horse, is it that the horse now has the right set of lenses with which to, to observe and meet the human when the, the human is in their body? Or like, I, I, I just feel you, you're, you're touching on, you know, we can go a lot of different ways, but basically I think you're right on track. It is that the horse wants to see you for who you are. Number one, it yeah. wants to see you authentic. If you've got something going on, you better come with it. And I mean, you know, for instance, if you just got off the phone call and you got angry and upset mm-hmm. and then you went out to see your horse and you're like, oh, oh, I want to, you know, pet you. And the horse goes, I'm out of here because Cause you're, you're real. you need to show me where you are. Uh-huh. So that's an example. Uh-huh. There are many different concepts here. Right. But then also, um, they, yeah, their basic consciousness is to be in service to humans. They've been to, in service to us for eons. The gods rode in on horses. They've taken us to war. They've taken us around the world. They still have that consciousness. I believe they're ready to take us to another level. And so what I provide is a co-healing experience. It's not a one-way street ever. But So I set up for a human to be in their body, for a horse to provide the service that they know, that's their consciousness. And in doing that, there's a healing experience for both parties. So the horses get to be their, their archetypal selves, mm. right? They get to live that we're a team again experience, mm-hmm. even though they and we are sort of damaged from our cultural... I'd tell you, encultured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're encultured. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they can transcend that. They can yeah. transcend oh, that. Oh, yeah, do, definitely. Do, do, are, they, do they, are they better at transcending that than we are? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, they, they represent presence. They don't know anything but to be grounded. There are some that are checked out, but it's for survival. Uh, mm-hmm. So we can work with just about anything that presents itself. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's take a short break. Okay. And when we come back, I want to talk more about the relationship. That the you know how, what's your understanding of the relationship that humans have with horses? Okay. And then talk a little bit more about some of the the experiences that you've had in doing this work. Okay, great. Okay, so we'll mm-hmm. be right back. 
At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable changemakers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E helping you find and shine your inner light. Welcome back. I'm John Carousella, and this is A Shamanic Life. And I'm in conversation with Michael McKibben, a body talk therapy, body talk therapy teacher and practitioner and facilitator of equine experience workshops. And we're talking about the relationship between humans and horses and I want to. I, I, this is a really fascinating thing. The two two things that we've talked about so far that that really fascinate me is one, um, this grand arc of relationship mm-hmm. between humans and horses, mm-hmm. and the other is the notion of the the horse seeing us or or, or having a having the herd as the sort of vibrational uh, the social structure, mm-hmm. and and what do what do humans bring to that how do we when we interact with horses how do they see us as part of the herd because we're not horses Mm, that's a good question well i believe that would uh, in answer to that i believe that they always strive towards being safe as a herd okay so safety of the herd safety of the herd and when you're in their proximity or let's put it a different way when you're in their heart field Okay. Because horses are a little bit flip-flop from humans. They have an eight or nine-pound heart and a smaller brain. Uh, we have a larger brain and a smaller heart. But what studies have shown is that collectively, when you get a group of horses together, or a group of humans, I believe, that come into coherence with that heart field energy, mm-hmm. that's where all the information is. So, So in other words, I believe, and I'm sure that others would quantify this, you have a herd of horses and um, a mountain lion could walk through that herd of horses if it had eaten. You know that way ahead of time. And I believe that information comes to the heart field and goes to the herd. Mm-hmm. So they're less likely to be, because they know. Would run away. Right. And not. they would also know if the mountain lion was stalking them, and then they'd go to safety. Right. So that type of information, those type of things, those type of essences, when they have people in proximity, they want you to be part of their safety, part of the herd. That includes the family, people, and yeah, anything like that. So, mm-hmm. so when you, um, when an individual, when a human engages with an individual horse, does the, the, so if horses are alone, that, that, they probably don't feel so good. Um, yeah, they like to be together. Yeah. They like to be they together. Like yeah, they do like company. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
so 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 let's say that there's there's a handful of horses, right? You know, mm-hmm. more than two. Sure. Um, a little miniature herd, and and they're in coherence because they they know each other well enough that mm-hmm. they, they get together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've gotten together, and the human enters that field in in his body, right? Mm-hmm. Like like we've gone sure. through the exercise to be a little bit more authentic and coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are they? What's their reaction? What's their what is their mood? Are they delighted? Are they? They can have all kinds of different reactions. Yeah. They, they, they what I've noticed uh, in doing this for many years, um, if you are as you stated, coherent, present in your body, they'll probably almost look like they're in this daze with their eyes open, and they can just be like in this state of like being in the zone. And holding a huge amount because they're so peaceful with having you there, and you can touch them. You could, you could wrap your arms around the net, and they won't move. Hmm. They're so comfortable because they because safety first, and they can see you, so they can assess whether you're safe. You're not a threat not because a threat. that's their first. Are you a threat or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And then, so the opposite's true. If I have a group of horses and a group of people at a workshop and someone has something popping up for them, the horses become very agitated. So we're constantly checking in to see how everybody is doing. And do, do horses sometimes not, um, like in the absence, like the horses have, well, I'll, I'll, pecking order. Well, they have, I was going to say they have behavioral characteristics that could be called problematic <laughs> for humans. Right. Um, cause I, you know, I, I you know, you see, um, if you go to a place that does riding lessons, right? Sure, the, sure. The, all the horses that are in the in the the barn, mm-hmm. um, and and they the instructors warn you that you know this horse is like this, this horse is like that, blah 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 blah. What are those? What are those characteristics? Uh, or not? What are those characteristics? Maybe the, the right way to say it is: What is the? Um, what, is that, what do those characteristics indicate about the mental health or the mental state of the horse, and why is the horse in that place? <laughs> That's great. I love this. Um, a lot of times the horses are doing it because of what you just said. A riding instructor or someone goes, that horse does that. So the horse goes, okay, I'm going to do that. You know, this is interesting. This is what, what I, 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 I had Carrie Lake on a, a previous show um, and she she wrote a horse, a book, uh, Listen Like a Horse: Relationships Without Dominance, mm-hmm. and she talks about this that it's it's really there's no judgment with horses. Mm-mm. They they just they are what they are, and they reflect back to you what you mm-hmm. ask of them in a sense. Yep, yep. They're they're really great mirrors to work with. They're great mirrors, and they also. Um, there's there's a sacredness about them. I mean, if we look into the folklore and and what they represent, I mean, really, I believe what one of the big messages, and I was actually talking to Annette about this, is that what they really represent is freedom. Yeah, that we talked about a little bit about this before the show. You know, that there is a notion that the horse represents power. But what? But you suggested that that what they really represent is freedom. Correct. And I think that's something that I, you know, that I've been aware of more and more um, as I work with this, because um, what did they do? 
you know, they they took us out of our villages and took us around the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they were, that was our first mobility to find new lands, to be free, to explore. And, and, and what that brings up for me is uh, is the correlation mm. and perhaps the confusion that we as human beings experience between those two words, freedom and power. Mm-hmm. That sometimes what, when we are yearning for power, we're actually yearning for freedom. And when we're experiencing freedom, perhaps we're experiencing a kind of power that we have not experienced before. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think you're onto something because it's been my experience, people that face their fears or step into uh, a sacred space of possibilities with a horse a sentient being that doesn't really judge, they come to the point where really what they're fearing is the brilliance of their own light. You know, this is, is this is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> and I think horses can assist us in being comfortable with that light and not being so afraid of it. It's interesting because they're sentient beings that don't judge. Mm-hmm. And we're sentient beings that can't help but judge. Correct. And so there's a really powerful shift in perspective, a different lens that that horses use to engage with the world, but also with us, that is quite, I'd almost say, you know, foreign or alien to us, Mm -hmm. but also delightful. Yeah, they've been waiting to help us for quite a long time. So I think that it's time. At least that's what I. That's why I do what I do. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah. So, so you have a you. I, I've gotten from our conversation a couple of different, two or three different times, the sense that the horses are. Are waiting for us. Well, not not really. I I, I use that as. Kind of metaphoric, but yes, well, but they I mean, have been. Like, I, I like, believe that they're they haven't uh, lost their job in transporting us on many different levels. Right. So the, we may not use them for physical transportation, but they're still available for spiritual, a, for spiritual transportation, emotional. So to speak. Right. Showing us. I mean, really, what is you know, we used horses pragmatically you know, practically to, to do work and to take us places, but we also use them to explore freedom, mm-hmm. to explore what it means to be free in a geographic sense. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So, And you're suggesting that they can help us explore being free in other senses as well. Even in inner journey. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and I believe all it is is bringing to consciousness or, or, or allowing those parameters to be present. And that's what I choose to set up during my workshops. Mm. In other words, what I like to coin the phrase is I like to have all uh, my outcome is for all of us to drop into horse time. Horse time. Mm-hmm. What is horse time? It's pretty spacey. <laughs> <laughs> a day can seem like an hour. Uh, you know, they, they're a little bit, uh, I, I think some people have referred to them. They're a little autistic as they see the world, our label. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that that's a a beautiful way to look at things sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, Okay, so 
we talked a little bit about some of the science behind it, the, 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 the resonance field. Is there more that you can share about that? Well, I, 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 as far as the big science thing, I think the big breakthroughs that I'm understanding and I'm reading about, and I continue to study without giving any references because every, every, it's all out there. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that there's the dynamic, wonderful field of information that's available to all of us. Right. Like the holographic universe kind of thing. Everything. Yeah, yeah. it's all there. And, and the horses somehow help us. I believe they can help us be grounded in tapping into that field of information. Yes. And I think the source of that information, the, if you will say, our own wireless networks is right here in our heart. heart. And it sends the messages to every cell instantaneously. And it's tapped into the field. And so that's where I come from. And those scientific research, scientific facts of the resonance factor, the harmonics, when you get hearts together and you have a focus, the magic happens. Mm. Yeah. So you, and we can play in that. <laughs> so what do you mean we can play? I'm open to possibilities. I, I sit with uncomfortable. I go with comfortable. I um, And I... Um, horses like to play. They like to play. <laughs> yeah, and humans do too. <laughs> but we became very serious. Yeah, we. Should, you know why? <laughs> so is, have you gotten any insight about why we don't play as well anymore through this work? Um, I. You know, that's a great question. I don't. I don't know why. I don't ask why. Mm. I ask why all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little curious because it seems to me that. You know, a lot of people read books and talk about joy and presence, mm-hmm. and what and what it and, and we read about. I have I read about present being present, but what I've seen in being with a horse and 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 choosing to open up these portals of experience and magic and possibilities, you actually embody it, and that's a whole different world. Not reading it is reading it is not the same as doing it. Kind of like kind of like sex. Be exactly, exactly. <laughs> One one's a very different experience from the other. Sure, ask a horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but anyway, yes. Uh, so so in these as you've opened these um, portals of possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the what are some of the, the like a top five experience that, like that has sort of blown your mind from doing uh, I had a a friend who uh, I love this guy I mean I do love this guy and we've been friends for quite a while now um, he experienced a very severe um, car accident where the ligaments at the top of his neck got ruptured oh my god and he lost um the cognitive function of his um, um, prefrontal cortex, the higher functioning levels of his brain just wow. dropped. And so he's, he's, we've been in touch and he's played with the horses a bit. So I said, you know, how would you like to just go up to this ranch? And so we went up to this ranch and um, some acquaintances that we knew and they had Arabians that were very high spirited and they lived up in the mountains. So they weren't, they, they were, had a lot of room. Mm-hmm. And uh, so 
went through the process of having him check in, and then these two horse or one horse, I'm sorry, was in, was in the arena, and the horse started leaping in the air, like six feet in the air, and kicking and bucking, and and uh, the whole idea was that he was going to go in with this horse, and I said, "Do you really want to go in with the horse, right?" And he said, "Yep, I'm ready." And as soon as he stepped in, and I went in with him, and he checked into what he chose to experience from a heart space with that horse. The horse stopped. It walked around him. It put its nose at the bottom of his sacrum and blew or or tracked his spine all the way up to the back of his head where he had his injury and did a big snort back there. (laughs) And his eyes just blew open like this. And then the horse came around and very eloquently just rested its head on its heart and then snorted at its heart. And then that experience was over. And so we walked out of the pen and um, had a moment with him to ask him what his experience was. And what he has subsequently happened is is the first time he's been able to close his eyes and lift one leg and balance since the accident. And that has not changed for him. So, wow. Um, yeah, and the so, horse was pretty happy too that it was able to contribute, be there. Yeah, and that horse um, actually delivered a really nice baby foal. So it's kind of a, a dual thing going yeah. on. That's one of my top ones. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. And then uh, I give you another one. Yeah, I had a woman who uh, I did a, a session with during the workshop, and she. Uh, Checked in, went in, same procedure, similar procedure. Uh, doesn't have to do that. They start to meld. Whatever. Yeah. And uh, she was standing in the middle of the arena, and she was just, she didn't know how to step forward in her life. That's what was coming. She didn't know what the next step was. Mm. And, and, and she, and it was so funny. It was so funny. She goes, the horse came around. She had a little bit of thing with the horse, but I felt kind of uncomfortable about their connection just from being a, a, a observer. So she goes, well, I'm done. I'm finished. And the horse blocked her from leaving the corral. And I said, <laughs> and I, said I don't think I you're think finished. You're Maybe we should go back and talk a little bit more. So then she finally dropped in to what she really wanted to do in her life and said it. And the horse came up behind her and put his head and nudged her shoulder and pushed her forward to step into her life nice so once she was able to drop into what she really wanted to do and express it the horse they're there to assist they're they're like yeah yeah let's go where where, where you been no right yeah so yeah those and and the moments that it it expands the moments of time and all kinds of things yeah so we're touching on a very simple thing here but Mm -hmm. it can go many different places as you can probably feel into. So, mm-hmm. so there's a, an opportunity for really, uh, I guess, I mean, this, these are weekend. Is this a weekend workshop? I do. I, I, I have done a weekend. I, I really go, I'm, I'm leaning towards turning it into a three day because we need time. Mm-hmm. And what do you need the time for? What is it that happens? The horses need time. The horses need time to, for us to us. get off our cell phones and, and get off the road and be present. I mean, I, 
I, that just seems to be optimal to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that because right? I because I think one of the challenges that we all have that in our culture is we do, we can't relax. Well, we rush around. We rush around. Yeah. Everything, you know, I'm on a I'm on a clock. I gotta I gotta get something done. Yeah. And even in the place where you're where you're expressing a desire to receive healing, we're still on the clock. It's like I, I want to get healed mm-hmm. today so that I can get back to my dysfunctional behavior tomorrow. Sure, and something know. out there has to do it. And something out there has to do it. Which is the total reverse of my concept. Yeah. I want to wake up the thing in here that so, knows how to do uh, so, it. So uh, how, how do you help people who are stuck? How do you help them to, to, re, to get into a place where the, they can actually have communion with the horse? I simply am interested in their highest best interest and what's a priority for them right now. So you don't actually, there isn't a lot of doing. Mm-mm. There's a lot of patience. There's a lot of reflecting. Yeah. And having them come to their own ahas, because mm-hmm. that's the journey. Yeah, I'm not doing. I I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I I don't promote myself as a healer. I watch healing happen, and I'm very happy to watch it happen. Yeah, it, actually, it's just me and my healing process. So that's what I do. <laughs> and it's, and and do you do you feel like like um, do you want to share anything about your personal journey with with the, how the horses have helped you heal? Oh wow. It's been amazing. I, I, it's why I'm sitting here talking to you right now. I mean, if you would have talked to me six or what, maybe eight or nine years ago, I would have never spoken out. I was very reserved. I was probably more depressed archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I just I'm lit up. Yeah. I, 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 I was talking to Annette also, and we had a dinner conversation. And I said, the thing I've come to, is when I meet people now and when I have conversations with them, when I engage them in my life, I want to talk to them as if this is the last time I'm going to see them in my life. Mm-hmm. And what would we say? Right. Where would we go? Nice. Yeah, that's good. That's what horses have helped me with. Wow. That's fabulous. I can find out the weather on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> when I look into those eyes, I want to see, I want to know what's happening. Yeah, and I want to share what's happening, mm. and that's what they've they've done for me. So I imagine that it that it's uh, it's been a, you know at times a challenging walk for you. Oh, definitely. What, what are some of your most challenging moments in this in this walk in this experience? Um, to be comfortable with the unknown. Why do you have to be comfortable with the unknown? Um. For me, it was just about, I think it was my background, that's all, um, being from an abusive uh, life, raised yeah. in an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. But I also think that's why I can be empathetic to horses and oh, things yeah. like that. Yeah. I can imagine. And I think, I feel that that's why it's brought me to this work. So I'm gra- I'm grateful now. Um, the challenges? Oh, man. Which one? <laughs> uh, I, I, I think... Um, one of the biggest challenges, and and one of the big things that I've uh, that I've come to now is not walking someone else's walk to walk my own walk. Uh, I I could learn a little bit about that. <laughs> right? Huh? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I was always going to associate with this person or that person or do this or do that, and now it's like, and the horses kept showing me, hey, buddy, you got to do your thing. Do your own. Do your. Know your own thing, then do yeah. it. And yeah. go and and take that step off the ledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We were talking about that earlier too. Mm-hmm. Annette referred to Michael as uh, an embodiment of the the zero card in the tarot, the fool, and uh, mm-hmm. the idea of of trust. And I guess the horses allow you because they live in they live in a in the moment. Uh yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. Always, pretty much. Mm-hmm. There are some you'll find that are disassociated. Because, but again, I say that it's a survival thing. And you'll usually see those at rescues or, yeah. or because of their environment or what they've been brought up in. Most of the time, they have nothing to do but be present. <laughs> they embody it. And they're happy with that. They like being horses. Yeah. That's a powerful statement right there. Mm-hmm. Horses like being horses. Mm-hmm. Dogs probably like being dogs. Oh, they love being dogs. Right. <laughs> humans don't always like being humans. No. No, they, they, yep, they're uncomfortable in our own skin. Aren't that's they? a pretty, that's a pretty devastating diagnosis. It is, but I think, but I, I, I see the other end of the light. I mean, I, there's always, to me, there's always another end of of that of any statement like that. Right? Yeah, well, and I, because for that to be intention, there has to be another thing where, there, where we, we are comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think, I think that's where we're going. I think that's where we're going. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So, okay, so we're almost out of time. Um, I've had a blast learning more about um, body talk and the equine work that you're doing. Is there any last thought you want to share with with our listeners? I would just like to say thank you, number one. I really am grateful for this opportunity. But I tell you, yeah, if if anyone is at any interest in feeling what it is to be present, be in your heart, and explore your heart's desires. Yeah, give, me a, give me a shout. Okay, and so, so how do we do that? How do we do uh, my website is consciousworkshops.com, mm-hmm. and you can get my email through that website. Great. Yeah. Cool. And I'll get back with you as soon as I can. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are, you know, consciousworkshops.com is the place to go. Um, if you've never had an interaction with a horse, it's still okay, right? Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Oh, hey, that's the best kind. That's the best kind? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> uh, so with that, uh, we're going to thank Michael. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with uh, Annette Wagner to talk about um, the Creative Soul Deck. All right. So we'll be right back. Would you like to share your shamanic life with our audience? We're always looking for featured guests who aren't just doing shamanism, but living it. If you've got stories to tell, let us know. Your stories can illuminate the path for others. If you're interested, contact us at facebook.com slash shamaniclife or send a message to Karen Armstrong, K-A-R-Y-N at shamaniclife.com or John Carousella, J-C at fireflywillows.com. We're ready to listen. As promised, we're always thinking of ways to bring you a fresh new perspective. Check out this lineup of our newest shows. The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring Firefly Willow's L.I.V.E. favorite, Heisey Lutmers, and his co-host, Charlie Harrington, on the second Tuesday evening each month. A Shamanic Life, hosted by John Carousella, on the first and third Tuesday evenings each month. What's your prescription for balance? With Dr. Glenna Calder, the first Thursday afternoon each month, and Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lizney the third Thursday afternoon each month. Introducing our newest show, the second and fourth Saturday mornings each month, From Beyond, 
with mother-daughter psychic mediums, Nadia Shapiro and Dr. Barbara Williams. We're excited. Give us a listen as we continue to create new and entertaining ways for you to shine your inner light. Join us at Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Welcome back. I'm John Carousella, and this is A Shamanic Life. And we are now about to dive into the Creative Soul Deck, accompanied by a friend of the show, Annette Wagner. Annette, welcome back to the show. Thank you. All right, so... um, I have no idea what's about to happen. You've, <laughs> you, 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 I thought we were going to talk about the deck, and, and on the break you said, I'm going to start with the red thread. So, Well, actually, I'm not, I said, I'm not going to start with the red thread. I'm gonna, I'll start with the story. Of the okay. All right. So tell, us, tell us about the – where did this deck come from? So this deck is a um, – it's a very interesting story behind it. it it's um, – so as some of the audience probably know, I'm a trained instructor in the Color of Woman Method, which was developed by Shiloh Sophia McLeod, who's one of the founders of the Intentional Creativity Movement. Okay. And I had the honor to be part of the first cohort of women that were trained by, by Shiloh. Oh, okay. And, um, and it was a very interesting set of, it was 18 of us originally that, that started. Um, and it was a journey because we didn't know... Um, Shiloh kind of had an idea of how she was going to go about the training, but anytime you, you go to teach something like this the first time, stuff happens, and you have to be a little flexible. <laughs> right, right, and, right. So we had this wild, crazy, amazing journey, and we had, we had women in the cohort um, like myself who had already been painting, and we had women who really had not been painting, and we all had this desire to learn the method and to go take it out into the world and work with other people out in the world in whatever form that made sense for us. Right. And Shiloh encouraged us to learn the methodology and make it our own. So there were, we, we talked about all kinds of crazy things. We, we not only painted tons and tons of paintings and went through many of the different kinds of ways she applies her, her work. And we worked on canvas, we worked on watercolor, but we also talked about how do we market this? What is the language that we use? Um, because intentional creativity is all about really connecting to your heart and, every act that you are doing is filled with intention and it's the, the, the so, so the, us, this is interesting because it's, you know, when I think when most people hear the, the, um, the word creativity, they think of, of some artsy thing that we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what you just said was, it's not about art. It's about delivering on intention. It's about it's about manifesting intention because yes. it's the creative process. Is it's the creative process isn't isn't colors and canvas. It's manifesting. It's manifestation. Yeah. yeah, and in fact, one of the things that sometimes people will ask me is they'll say, "Well, how is this different than just doing some kind of creative expressions class?" I'll say it's drastically different. The, the difference with what we do in the Color of Woman method is we are engaging both the right brain and the left brain, and we do it in a sacred way in sacred space. The instructor is, is holding sacred space. We do everything within ritual and ceremony, and we begin with intention. And everything that we create is about using that intention to create a portal, walking through that portal, and then bring, and becoming sort of the channel for all the imagery that wants to come through. So typically what we're doing when we create our paintings is 
going into ritual, going into a place where we say, okay, here's the theme of what we're going to talk about, or here's the inquiry that we want to engage with today. And the first thing we do is we say, what is our intention? Um, And that intention comes to us, and we will literally write it on our canvas before Mm -hmm. we start painting. And as we're doing that, what starts to happen is this portal opens, and we move into this liminal space that's sort of between the worlds. And the imagery that comes through is we'll take women on a, on a vision or on a journey where they, we take them on a journey and they meet, meet their muse. And we also start, interestingly, listening to Michael talking about what he's doing. One of the things we do is we typically start all our visioning by bringing people into their body and taking them into their body first and then off onto a journey. And the things that they bring back are symbols and words and messages and gifts. And they come back and then we begin the painting process of or we begin painting and building all of these layers of meaning and symbol into this, these canvases. And what's amazing about this is none of the content we're creating on these canvases, you're not, it's not the instructor telling you what to paint. Right. The instructor, the way the method is organized is we give people a sort of practical framework where we'll say, this is how you do a background. At the same time, which we're saying we're holding sacred space, we're doing intention. We'll say, well, this is how this. Right. Here's a demo of how you do right. a background. So there's some, there's some demo. painting instruction. So right. Speak, we but. give them a basic 13 step, practical set of 13 steps combined with the holding the sacred container and setting intention. And what happens by the end of the process is these absolutely amazing paintings come out the other end, and everything on that canvas is what that woman or that person. And typically, I work with women, so, but. Men can do this as well. Um, but whatever comes out on that canvas is what that person has drawn out of their heart and out of that connection. Hmm. What the intention has opened up the doorway to and what has come through. So when they walk out, they're walking out with something that's truly theirs. Hmm. It's not like they're here to learn technique. Right. They're here to connect to their heart's desire and see what comes out on the canvas. Mm-hmm. And the magic about it is if you follow through and you just trust us and, and walk with us with the process and you get to the end of it is the painting becomes a portal and you take it home and it already starts to shift your perspective and starts to transform you and starts to transform your life and mm-hmm. it will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a visitor in the studio. Um, Hero the cat has joined us. So if you're hearing purring and meows in the background, that's why. Anyway, okay, so so... And so, so that's the color of women protocol. Right. That's, that's our methodology. So the first cohort um, that Shiloh trained, um, one of the things that we kept noticing as we were walking through, and we were creating tons of paintings and writing and poetry and doing all these amazing things. And one of the women made a crack about, well, we could create a tarot deck with all these amazing paintings. And we, and we bandied that around and that comment and that kind of idea kept moving back and forth through yeah. the women in the cohort. And as our, um, and our, the first cohort, the training was nine months long. And as we started to get nearer to the end of the training period, one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to honor our teachers. And this included not just Shiloh, uh, but Sue Hoya Sellers, who is Shiloh's teacher, who's an American master painter who lives in Northern California. And uh, 77 years old and just an amazingly wild, crazy woman. Uh, it included um, Karen McLeod, who's Shiloh's mother, who's a poet, who was someone who came in and worked with us on the words, and Stella Mack, Mary McDonald, who's Shiloh's business person, as well as also an author and a writer and a poet in her own right. And we wanted to honor all these women 
and bring them in. Uh, oh, and I forgot Jenna, who is um, the woman who, who is kind of behind the scenes holding all the technology together and helping us do all the logistics of putting together all of this training mm. and getting us all to Hillsburg at the same time and helping us find housing and all the other crazy things we had right. to do. Right. And we kept throwing these things around about what could we do, what could we do. And at the same time, Shiloh was saying, okay, you've been living through this training. How are you going to take this out into the world? Start thinking about, like, how are you going to teach your first workshop? What's your flyer look like? How are you, who, who do you serve? And we actually walked through the process, um, which I've done with you, John, of doing a vision plan right. for ourselves about how we were going to take this back out into the world. Who, who are our beloveds? Um, you know, what is our, our grand vision? What is our legend? So we all went off, and our instructors didn't know this, and we all went off and we had a conference call. And we said, okay, we want to create some gifts. And this idea of a deck came back up. And we mm-hmm. went, can we really do this? We only got like two and a half months. Is there a way we can really pull this off? And we were like fired up. It was hilarious. It was like, we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> and we signed everyone up, gave everyone different pieces of things to do. One of the women in the, um, in the group, Jody Anthony, ended up, she's like, okay, I can create the artwork. I was the one who signed up to do, figure out help with printing. And another woman went off to go get printing quotes. We had women who signed up to get um, those in the group who were writers to think about how we might do writing. And we came up with this idea of... Um, Everyone would choose three of their paintings, and on one side of the card would be a painting, and it would have a one or two word phrase on one side of it. And then on the other side, would the same phrase would be repeated, and there would be some kind of saying or question or inquiry. So we didn't have a lot of time to pull this off, first, the first version of this deck off. And we came up with a title for it. And we came up with a dedication page and a thank you. And we threw in snapshots of people that we'd taken inside of the workshops that we'd been taking. And we pulled it off. Nice. We created a deck. And we made enough um, that we were able to give everyone in the cohort um, a deck and give some to our teachers. And we also... We also totally went overboard and created, like, for each teacher, they each had a box that we created. And the box was created specifically for that person. <laughs> mm. We went on when I saw our graduation ceremony. Well, you are a bunch of creative women, so it's been not surprising. That's what <laughs> part of our graduation ceremony was offering all this to our teachers. Mm-hmm. Well, our teachers were very overwhelmed by this. They were like, wow, you created all of this in how much time? And look at what you've created. And these were four by six cards and they weren't rounded corners and, the paper could have been a little heavier, and we had some streaking in some of the colors, but we had done it. We had actually created this deck, and we had created this thing, and we had given it to them. And Shiloh was like, okay, now what are you going to do? This needs to go out in the world. And we all kind of went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Obligation, not over. <laughs> so, so we graduated, and then after that, we started having, we had a conference call with the group again, and we said, okay, what would be involved in actually publishing them, taking this out in the world? And fortunately, we had um, women in the group who um, understood about doing the business side of it. We had women who've been bookkeepers and understood about the financial side of it. We had, and so we started, and we had women who've done sales and marketing. We had people who had all these varied backgrounds. And so we decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to pull this off, and we're going to start stepping forward. And 
started going off and getting printing quotes and trying to figure out like how many many decks could we actually afford to do so we could figure out how many we could print, mm-hmm. which affects has a big effect sure. on how much everything costs. Yeah. Um, we now have two visitors in the studio. Yeah. Princess is here as well. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, and we proceeded forward. What, but we also learned a lot of lessons going along the way. And one of the things that happened was we proceeded forward and came very, very close to printing the deck. But we had not actually set up or really spoken or worked with each other about how we were doing the decision-making. We hadn't had a conversation about, like, what happens if we don't all agree, and we were still operating on a bit of what you would call um, both a consensus model and off the energy that came out of, you know, being together as a cohort and graduating and being so excited about all this. And we got to the point where we're about ready to go off to the printer and actually print these, and everything blew up. Uh-oh. And what we learned was, so this is, you know, a large number, 17 women at that time in circle. And there are those of us who are also part of all of this, who have years of experience of working with women in circle, including myself. And we looked at what had happened and we didn't want it to blow up. I mean, there were reasons why the blow up happened. And I actually think that they were, they were important reasons that the universe handed to us because we needed to reground ourselves and really ask how do women in a circle create, how do we create something like this and do it within a circle of collaboration where it's not a power over model and where we're, we're sharing what we need to be doing and we're also respecting how much time people can put into it and, or not put into it. And what ended up happening was we had this huge blow up. Everyone was horribly upset about it. People were saying, I can't cope a word with this. I can't possibly put any more energy in. And other people were coming to me and saying, we can't let this die. We have to figure out a way to print this deck. And we ended up doing a healing circle. A few of us got together and we said, well, the very minimum what we have to do is we have to have one more conference call and we have to have a healing. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And, then we, and it was the end of the year. It was uh, getting close. It was around solstice, after solstice. And we said, you know, now we need to let it rest. And we let it rest. And about a month or two later, one of the other women in the circle kind of sent this email out and said, so are we going forward? Mm-hmm. And that opened the door back up. And there was a lot of conversation between people about whether or not we were willing to take this on again. And I was one of the people who stepped forward and said, I'm willing to take it on again. But this time, and I had a lot of time to think about it, and I also checked in with a number of my other sisters in the group, and I said, this time let's talk about how we make decisions. And so we ended up coming up with this model of an inner circle and an outer circle. I don't know if you've ever been part of um, circles in general, but or like big conferences or classes. You'll notice that there's always like the people, there's people who are kind of in close, and then there's people who are further apart, and they'll move back and forth between the inner and the outer circle, and Starhawk teaches this in, oh, okay. in, in her workshops about how group flow works back and forth. So we used that kind of model. And what we proposed was, okay, here we'll have an inner circle who is, who's responsible for making day-to-day decisions. And they also make a commitment to put in more hours, but they also have the authority to make decisions. And we wrote up, you know, I wrote up a proposal about what this might look like. And then we talked about the outer circle and that the people in the outer circle are responsible for not reading, they're not going to be involved in day-to-day email exchanges and weekly conference calls and that level of time commitment, 
But when we do send out an email, they have a responsibility to read it and respond in a very timely manner. Mm. Like they need to be on the lookout for those things. So when we're asking them for input, we're saying this is what's going on, they need to stay engaged. And people have the right to move back and forth, but they have to do it in a respectful manner. Like if somebody wants to move from the outer circle to the inner circle, they have to be willing to make the commitment. Yeah, sure. If they're done with being in the inner circle, they need to go to the outer circle and find someone who can step in and, and cover what they're doing. So we came up with this model and it worked. It was absolutely amazing. It, we had, you know, we put it out there and we said, here's the model. Here's what we're proposing. This is what, how we're going to do it. Does anyone want to join and be part of the inner circle? And we ended up with four of us initially. Um, and it kind of ended up being three towards the end. But it was kind of a natural evolution. And we proceeded onward. We went through a process of changing the name of the deck. We edited all of the um, text. I ended up editing all of the text on the deck and then using several women in the outer circle to be my um, editors, I guess. I guess I... Yeah, give you feedback. Right. We, we needed to, like, fix the tone so that the yeah. past and present tense and all that kind of fun stuff was all, like, consistent across the cards. Yeah. So we did a lot of things to it. We, um, one of the things we also decided to do because we were going out to the public is we, and we decided to invite our teachers to contribute cards to the deck. Nice which we felt that was only appropriate. So Shiloh, um, Stella Mack, Mary McDonald, um, Sue Hoya Sellers all have cards in the deck. Um, but we left in things like the uh, dedication to our teachers. Hmm. And we added things like a card that actually has a suggestion about how to use the deck. Sure. And so we, we had a lot of fun. And we, we didn't... We, it took way longer. <laughs> well, so you, would you say you would say that um, this is a an example of a success in spontaneous manifestation and sustained creativity? Oh yeah. yeah I mean, like, and, and, and you and you guys you guys managed a process that you were not you invented a process that kept everybody in authenticity and integrity and and didn't do a lot of wounding in the process. I mean, yeah. other, than, other than, you know, the fact that you weren't successful the first time, right? But, I mean, that's part of learning. It was part of learning. It was very much part of learning. And I think the other thing that, that you know, we had to realize was not everyone in the group had been an artist when they started. Not everyone in the group had been in circles when we started. Yeah, sure. Not everyone had come from very different backgrounds. and Not everyone had the experience of working collaboratively. Some of the women had primarily worked in corporate or very hierarchical environments and they didn't have that experience coming yeah. in. And sometimes you forget that. Yeah. You know, easy and to, easy to forget. Yeah. You have to bring everyone along with you when you do these projects. So I think you're absolutely right. It was both this spontaneous, crazy okay, we're gonna go do a deck of cards. And is that is that something that you think that uh was is something that the the original cohort of the uh, color of women community has now have you you all incorporated this as a skill? I don't know if it, I mean we and I have, mean not all of you, but I mean right. I think we have incorporated. All of us have been exposed to and have learned the skill of being encircled to do a project like this. Like we know that we've experienced it. We yeah. know what it takes to be on those conference calls and 
talk about what needs to talk, be talked about and what kind of decisions need to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, the logistics of actually producing the deck, there's probably a smaller circle that... Yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's less... I mean, uh, the re- where, I'm, where I'm going with this is um, it, it strikes me that, well, pretty, it's pretty clear we need new models for, um, for productive mutual engagement. Uh, on projects, right? We have the hierarchical model, um, both in corporate and in government, and we have the the individual entrepreneurial model, uh, the, the proprietorship, and the you know and the executive model. Right. We don't have a lot of experience with um, with cooperatives. No. Uh, and I think I mean we we do right. I mean there are cooperatives out there, right? The food co-ops and so on and so forth. But I, I'm just wondering if if and i guess hoping that uh, your experience shed light on this process of of collaborative cooperative development that might be a ripple that is sent out from as a result of the color of women work that you guys have done i hope so because um i am writing about it for so I'm writing about it and posting to the Color of Women Leadership site that we have, which is for all the Color of Women instructors. Mm -hmm. And my plan is to continue to share not just kind of some of the logistical things, but the lessons we learned and to to share about how do you hold this? How do you create a circle? How do you stay in circle? How do you, you know, we have the concept of the red thread is something that connects all of us and that we start all of our rituals and our ceremonies with. And it's like, how do we stay in red thread circle with each other when we do things like this, which are hard. Um, and, and also there's this, this question of like, how do we do that and be collaborative and also compensate the people who put in lots of hours? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, always touchy too. Be respectful of, you know, the people who have questions and, and query about why a decision got made a, a particular way. There's all these different levels and ways of being respectful of each other and trying to figure out how to, balance all and, of that. Yeah, and there, there's, there's, not, there's work involved in that. Yeah, Absolutely. and I, I actually really, you know, I think uh, a lot of the, the seeds for what we came up with and what we were doing really did come out of Starhawk's work, where she talks about how um, she has a whole book where she's talking, like, sorry, I don't remember the title at the moment, um, but she has a lot of work where she talks about how do groups work together, because she has done a lot of working with, um, she's an activist, she goes out to these things like um, the 99%, the 1%, all these yeah. protests that are going on. And she'll directly work with people that are there on the street and say, okay, you've got to manage the media, you've got to manage the food, you've got to manage you know, the street protests, and you have to all work together. And she'll do things where she'll help train people so that they will figure out how do you work together on this yeah. and do it collaboratively so you're not just repeating the hierarchical power of a structure that you're protesting against. Yeah, nice. Okay, so um, inquiring minds want to know what's in the deck. Okay, and how do so, you play with it? What the deck is is um, basically a collection of cards, and what we on one side of the card are these paintings, and the paintings say things like communion, creating yourself, breaking forth, say yes to yourself. So, Loving the wisdom. So let's pick let's pick one or two and, and explore them, um, and because I think this is also part of the process, right? Is to is yeah. To so let's do what I was going to suggest is before okay. we start that. Okay. Now I'm going to make we're going to do this properly. Okay. So okay. I have the ball of red thread in my hand, <laughs> and 
what I want both of you to do, since we have Michael here too, is close your eyes. Okay. My and I, we're going to do it this. So take a deep breath. Settle your feet on the floor. And just settle into your body. Like feel your hands on your knees. Feel your body sitting on the couch or the chair. Take another deep breath. And think about what your intention for this moment is. Just ask, kind of like one, like if there's a word that wants to just rise all the way up through you and into the moment. And let it kind of work its way up as you breathe and ground. And then let it come into your heart. And as it comes up into your heart, let it manifest and become present. And I want you to open your eyes, and I'm going to hand, well, here, John, I'm going to hand you the red thread, the ball of yarn. You can take a couple strands, and then I would like you, if you're comfortable doing so, to share what your intention is. Okay. Um, So take a couple strands means what? Hold on to the red thread. Oh, just hold on to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. However yeah. much you want so, to hold so on to. So for me, I guess it's it's uh, the intention for me in this moment is to is clarity of the gift. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to. That's what I'd like to share. Is okay. Clarity of the gift. All right. And I'd like you to pass the red thread to Michael. Michael. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I kept feeling, and I'm gonna sit with and. See what happens with wonderment. 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 Okay. Very good. All right. And he's going to pass the red thread back to me. And I'm going to take a little bit here. And the word just just kept coming up was love. Oh. Okay. That's always a good one. That's <laughs> always a good one. So now what I'm going to do is um, you have an end over there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which I'm going to bring back over here, and, bef- and I'm going to tie us into a circle. And before I do that, I'm going to pass the red thread out to everyone who's out there on the air listening to us. And I'm going to include them all in on this red thread. So whatever your intentions are out there. You State your them. intentions and hold them in your heart. And I'm going to tie the red thread together. And then I'm going to pass the scissors around, and you're going to... Cut the red thread between you and Michael, and then we'll continue. Okay. And pass the scissors to him. And Michael's going to cut the thread between Michael and Annette. And I'm going to cut the thread between John and I. And now each of us has a chunk of red thread, which you can, as we say, Wrap around your cowgirl boots, <laughs> or cowboy boots, as the case may be. Wrap around your wrist. So you're from uh, you're from Montana, and you're a cosmic cowgirl, and I'm sitting here with a radio host microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've done that, now what we're going to do is we're going to spread the cards. I'm going to try not to bump the microphone. I'm going to spread the cards out, and what I'm going to ask both of you to do is to just, you know, look through the cards. And see if there's one, or maybe two, that just calls to you. All right. Well, I, I got mine already. 
Okay. Uh, and it's it's this one. It's the Say Yes to You card. All right. And I'm picking Free Spirit. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And Rose Garden. Okay. Ah, all right. Free Spirit and Rose Garden. And I picked Divine Guidance. Excellent. Okay. So the first thing that we do when we work with the cards is we ask people to just hold the card, look into the painting, and go back into that space where you're grounded and you're in your body and let your heart connect to the painting. Mm-hmm. Just create a connection to it and just see what comes through. See if there's a message or a word or a gift, symbol. You know, so I'm looking at this Say Yes to You card and it's just, it's a beautiful picture. The, the colors are uh, autumn colors. They're the oranges and reds and um, pale yellows. And, and it's a picture of a woman with rose with roses, looks like roses, and uh, behind her ears, like almost like they're earrings, but they're these beautiful roses. And um, she's got a big heart uh, symbol over her chest. But what what I see in this picture is these this flow of that um, starts above her head and flows down like it's pouring over her head uh, uh, over each side, perhaps like a like a, a veil or a shawl over her head, and it's it's all these white dots. Mm-hmm. I see these white dots, like like little points of light shining through, it out of the picture at, at me, and her, you know, of course, the the painting is very is beautiful and moving, but there's something about these white dots that is speaking to me, um, as if there's, and it's not just it's not just that they're lumin that they're, it's not like there's lights. Mm-hmm. Um, Although they are, they're, they're lights, but there's something else. I'm trying to wonder what, what is it that, they, that they're saying to me? Like they're worlds. It's like, it's like the universe in a grain of sand. Like each one of these little dots is, a, is as significant as a star. Mm-hmm. Um, not just that it's light, but but that it's like a whole a whole world or experience or a personality or an aspect of God that that uh, an aspect of the divine that's waiting there to be seen and to be to be touched to, to st- willing willing to be intimate with whoever is willing to be there. So what does that have to do with say yes to you? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll okay. Get there. All right. Okay. I was gonna, All right. So, Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, Michael, do you want to share? Sure. I'd love to. I'm yeah, go ahead to, and spin that over. I'm, okay. I'm drawn to, I picked two cards, but I'm drawn to the Rose Garden card. And it is a very intriguing painting. Colors are very dark and rich. And what I'm 
uh, when you had me check in and go in, um, I saw it, I felt the spiral. And this painting has spirals all over, all through it. And I'm like, okay, what mm. is that? And so as I dive in there, it really reflects to me uh, the, the spiral of life, how we ebb and flow through this journey. And it's, showing, it's speaking to me like, wow, this is, these are like little lives around her that she's holding the space for. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. And what about you? So I picked um, the card that I picked has a what's the name of the card? The name of the card is Divine Guidance, Divine Guidance. and it has a mother holding a baby and two hearts, and she has wings up around her. And I just I it to me it it's it's not just the motherly love, but it's about love is what I get out of it. But there's also something for me here in the wings. Because I've been on this um, vision quest this fall, and one part of the vision quest was um, engaging with Phoenix energy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, but I, it, and so I see the wings there, and it reminds me about the Phoenix energy that I've been working with. And, but she also has the scroll on one side uh, of it. And I kind of keep looking at it going, it's, it's like I'm holding the whole world. It's like she's holding the whole world in love. Yeah. It's about like being surrounded by love, in love, supported by love. And and, and the love, uh, the, uh, something about something about the guidance that comes from being held in love. You know, the, those those. Oh, what am I saying here? Um, why wouldn't you receive guidance? Yeah. If you were held in love. Right. And there's also, if you're held and supported in love and you're living your life in love, in that, in the sense of you're like in that, in love, it changes how you engage with life. Yeah. And, and I think that that's part of the message that's coming through. Mm-hmm. So now, okay. turn the card over. All right. And read the message or the question or whatever it is on the back. Okay. So mine says, say yes. Say yes to you. This is your life. What will it take for you to give a full body yes to the wild, wonderful self you already are right now, right here? (laughs) (laughs) What was that look, John? <laughs> the look was, I hope you don't expect me to answer this question right now, right here, <laughs> on the air. <laughs> I, like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> you could but, just say yes. <laughs> but, you know, but something about these little dots. It's as if she holds all of the universe inside of herself. And all these little dots are saying yes. Yeah, they are. And, there's, and, they're, and they're all her and they're all the universe. It doesn't matter how small they are. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not worried about whether they're big or small. They're just doing their thing. No judgment. No judgment. No, no assessment or obligation to uh, be big or small or yellow or green or, you know, whatever. They're just being... They're, they dan- they're dancing their own dance. Yep. Well, hmm, I guess I need to learn how to dance. <laughs> 
So that's what it's going to take uh, for me to say yes, a full body yes to the wild, wonderful self, is for me to learn how to dance. Mm-hmm. Yes, dance with the universe. Yeah. Like Reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. We have to get the microphone back here. All right, Michael. Okay. Mine is Rose Garden. And the wording is, Bloom like a rose, glorious, scented, and opening your petals to life. And when I... What really gets me about that and looking back at this is the opening. Of the spiral. Wonderment. Opening. Yeah. Yeah, and I really feel that. I mean, this is beautiful. Thank you. And that's what I'm I'm feeling right now, opening to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful thing. And, and, and as I think we talked about before, we, our human condition, we close things down. And it's not our own fault, but anyway, yeah. in my path, too. Yeah. I, I look back at the times I've closed things down. Yeah. yeah. And boy, oh, yeah. This, is, this resonates, so... Beautiful, beautiful. Very cool. All right. So my card, when I turn it over, so is Divine Guidance is the name of the card. And the message is, the divine is listening. Ask and open the door to receiving. And I find it so intriguing because the intention I had was love. So, (laughs) and here I am sitting with two men, right? So I won't go there. But it's just, it's open the door to receiving. If you want to be supported, surrounded, and living your life in love, there's my message. Mm -hmm. Okay. Open the door. Open the door. Nice. So, that's what this deck is about. This deck is not really an oracle deck in the true sense of like a tarot deck. But what it's about is, I'm going to get images and words and intention as I work with it. And what our intention those of us who created this deck, is that people who work with this deck will be engaging with their creative soul. This is a way that when they work with the cards and they pull up a painting and they really engage with and they get a symbol or the word, we encourage them to write them down in a journal and have a journal they are kind of collecting. Uh, Okay, so so if you were... Because because it's not a... um, It's not a typical reading. It's, um, It's sort of seeps into you and then then flowers out of you kind it, of idea? It's, it's kind of like we're handing you a key that the muse is going to use to go in and unlock part of your heart and will give you messages and gifts. Uh, and it's a way of when the muse unlocks your heart, you're really, that's your creative soul is your heart. You know? And hmm. so what we encourage and we talk about in the instructions is to have a journal and we give you know, we talk about how to walk through and engage with a card. Is have a journal there and collect the symbols and the images. And as you work more with the cards, you're going to find that more comes through. You might find yourself writing poetry. You might draw, find yourself drawing a face. And you have lots of interesting faces of the divine feminine in this deck that you can look at as mm. examples. Yeah. And you might find yourself drawing a spiral or a rose or wings. Or, or- or dots. Or dots. <laughs> or dots. And so we encourage people to, to engage with them and to let whatever comes through just flow through and just have a, have a piece of paper there or a journal that can just document it. And not and just let go of judgment. Just let come through whatever wants to come through. And over time, our hope is that as people begin to work with the cards on a regular basis, 
that this will be a way that they're all continually kind of practicing keeping that that doorway open to their heart and let and engaging with the innate creativity that all of us have inside of ourselves. And one of the things that our teacher Shiloh did for quite some time after we we had given her the original deck was she would draw one every day. You just pick a card out. Yeah. And just look at the painting, read the message and just use that as a way to start your day. So that's another suggestion on how to use the deck. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you know, um, these images are very rich. These are these are they're beautiful pictures. Um, they're visually very rich, very stimulating. Uh, a lot of you know, big palette of colors and contrasts, and and each one has some deep drawing power. Mm-hmm. You know, they are they're portals. They are. It, well, and we paint, when we paint our paintings, and every single one of the paintings on these cards was painted with intention as a portal. Yeah. And it comes through when you sit here and you look at these cards. Yeah, it does. It really does. So, so there's a. So there's a, how many cards are in the deck? Is it forty-eight? No, it's fifty-seven altogether. But four of them are the. Okay, know, so fifty-three. Fifty-three. Sorry, fifty-three my paintings. Can't count. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the, not. It's, a, it's an odd number, perhaps, but it's it's what well, ended up evolving 53, organically. It's a, it's a prime number. Yeah, <laughs> prime number. Play. Uh, and, and so there's. So this is a deck of fifty-three. Fifty-seven altogether. Fifty-three portals. Fifty-three portals. And that and that is a. Um, there's a lot of adventure to be had. Yes. I think in um, approaching this deck and seeing where it, where it takes you. Yeah, it's seventeen artists, and they come from all over the United States and Canada. And um, and they all, everyone who contributed has decks that they're going to be selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all actually went flying out of yeah. my house earlier right. this week. Right. 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 <laughs> and I'm hoping they're landing in all the appropriate places they need to be landing. Um, and, uh, and I could read off the names to the artists. Uh, well, I think the, it might be um, a, a thing to have uh, on your website. Which list, I will add to the website as well. And, and we're all in the process of kind of getting them out there and available. Um, so do you have a, do you, do you have a car, one of these that, that particularly draws you consistently? Is it, I don't want to say that you have a favorite, but is there one that, that the power is consistently calls to you? One of the ones that I come back to a lot is um, called Marry Your Soul. Oh, and Marry Your Soul is by um, Crystal Charlotte Easton, who's a young woman up in Canada who's also an activist. Um, And she told a wonderful story when we were in cohort together about marrying herself, about this idea of really of. And for women, this is an important concept because it's about um of marrying somebody else, like we're all taught as little girls, we're going to grow up and we're going to marry someone. Is what about like having a ritual and a ceremony and marrying ourselves, owning who we are? You know, much. You know, yes, we may share our life with someone else, but there's this way of taking all of that enculturation, as Mike, the word Michael was using, and kind of turning it on its head. And so she has this lovely painting called "Marry Your Soul." And it's like a woman that you you could think of her as being in a bridal veil, but she has these birds around her and roses around her, and it's just 
it's a very deep painting. Mm. And I just always, the whole message just like, it's like a reminder to me. And it is a really powerful and beautiful painting. It's gorgeous. And if you want to, if you want to see this fantastic painting along with the 52 other paintings, how do you, how do we, how do we allow our, <laughs> our listeners to well, experience this? At the moment, um, you would go to my website, which is AnnetteWagnerArt.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and shortly, I hope very soon, there will be 16 other websites and places that you'll be able to go to to purchase the decks. Um, and once those all get up, I have a feeling we're going to be trying to put them, put everyone's names somewhere so people can go find someone perhaps that's local to them. Because there's women on the East Coast, there's women in Minnesota, there's right. women down in Arizona. I mean... We're all and all of you, and all of you are are capable of facilitating this kind of work. Is that right? Yeah, we're all capable of facilitating this kind of work. That's so. the cool thing about it. We're all out there painting and teaching. Nice. So it it's um it's pretty amazing. Cool. Any any last thoughts you want to share about the deck or about the work? Well, I'd love to have feedback from people as they begin to use it. That would be something that would be very cool because we, these things are always, uh, um, when the universe tugs on the red thread and says, okay, you need to go out there and do something like that, it's a risk. You know, it, it's one of those things where you're jumping off the cliff, you know, on that, that tarot, the full, you know, the full card, right? Yeah, you're going yeah. right off the cliff. And I, we'd really love to hear back from people as they begin to use it, like what impact it has in their life. But I also have one parting thing. This is the first time I've actually shown the whole deck to guys. And I just wanted to say I very much honor both of you for engaging with this because, you know, it wasn't created in that kind of environment. Well, I can tell you that, um, you know, for for me, the the images are extraordinarily powerful and, and beautiful, aesthetically really beautiful and, um, and, and super deep. So uh, I think you, you ladies did a fabulous job, and I think you were all richer for it. Thank you. Yeah, I feel very honored. Thank you. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, okay. So I think we can safely say um, we've had an adventure tonight live here uh, on Shamanic Life. And... Uh, and that's our show. And I, I want to thank Michael McKibben and Annette Wagner for joining me. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. The Creative Soul Deck is available through Annette's, Wagner, uh, Annette's website, AnnetteWagnerArt.com. And Michael's work is available through his website, ConsciousWorkshops.com. So thank you for joining me, and thank you all of you out there for listening. Uh, and we'll be back in early December for the next edition of A Shamanic Life. Between now and then, Have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, Enjoy the harvest. Enjoy family. And we'll be together again soon. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lizney. Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.